HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This is Greenhorns Radio. This is your host, Severin. I'm joining you today from Hudson Valley. We are live every week, Thursdays at 2 p.m., sponsored by Hearst Family Ranch, bringing you radio for young farmers by young farmers. Today we are joined on the telephone by Brooke. Hello. She is the head of, of Bad Seed Farm. Brooke, are you there? I am here. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, Brooke, I was hoping that you wouldn't mind introducing yourself, um, where you're farming, and um, what's going on over there. Yeah, no problem. So I'll tell you guys a little bit about what we do. My name is Brooke Savaggio, and I own and operate Bad Seed Farm, which is an urban, organic farm and market celebrating local food, culture, and community. My husband, Dan, and I uh, grow over 100 varieties of heirloom vegetables and fruits on a 2.5-acre suburban plot in Kansas City, Missouri. And we sell everything we grow at our downtown farmer's market and storefront alongside other renegade urban growers. Um, and we also teach classes in urban homesteading. Wow, you've got a lot going on. Happening. Yeah, we have a lot going on. It can become difficult because uh, the food crops need a lot of nurturing, but uh, we're kind of all over the place. So. And when you just made a little sigh, you said the word renegade. Um, tell me what was behind that sigh. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, it used to be this kind of cute term that I like to use to describe the urban growers that sell at our market, and uh, it became kind of a little bit truer than I ever meant for it to become. Uh, urban farming has been criminalized in Kansas City as of lately due to our situation in particular. Um, so it's kind of a, it's a long story, but I'll try to put it in sort of a nutshell version. But basically, I started this farm three years ago, and I hadn't had any problems up until this season. Um, some of the neighbors, some of the more affluent neighbors, became concerned that hypothetically the presence of an urban farm would bring down property values. And uh, they even went as far to assume that there would be a white flight and that poor black families would move into the area because of our organic farm. So, uh, wow, what a powerful farm. Yeah, right? I know. <laughs> I mean, it's, I know this, it's absolutely ludicrous, so I, I just I don't really know what else to say. But uh, So anyway, 
some of these um, members of the community have some political clout and a little bit of push within city council. So they were able to put pressure on the city to come up with some numerous mythical violations against our farming operation in hopes of shutting it down altogether. Uh, it looked like they were going to be successful for a minute there, but luckily Dan and I were able to kind of rally the support of the greater community and um, kind of make our own friends within city council, and we were able to kind of ward off the, the worst of it, although we've had to make some very significant compromises as far as our operation goes. Um, well, so what would possibly be um, your argument? I mean, what's the value of intensive urban or suburban, in your case, farming? Well, like, what's the value know, of that to the community? There's a huge value. I, I know that it's pretty obvious in, in, poor, in the urban core where there's some very depleted neighborhoods and poor communities, we all know that it makes sense to have urban gardens to build community in those situations. Suburbia is a totally different you know, sort of story, and, uh, but it's equally as important. You know, in suburbia, there are these vast open lawns with extremely good soil. You know, there wasn't previous foundation on them. You know, they are just fertile and ready to grow so much food. So um, just on a purely, you know, functional level, it makes sense to have, you know, large suburban gardens and not so many fertilized lawns. And then beyond that, suburbia is, it, it sort of lost its soul a little bit, or maybe it never really had one. And when you have a community-based, thriving, growing business, it brings people together. Uh, when I started this, none of my neighbors knew each other or knew their names. And through sort of the garden growing and this, this growing controversy, I've actually made a lot of friends within this community, and people are talking and coming together, and that's a good thing. So That sounds like a very good thing. I, yeah, I, yeah, I often um, spy on the neighbors in the, in the neighborhood that I grew up in, and look at their beautiful sun exposure that they have. Right. I mean, there's wonderful mature trees um, in the neighborhoods, but there's just so much beautiful gardening space. It's once you turn on your like no, garden it makes goggles. you want to drool. You know, when you drive through it, you're thinking, "Oh my gosh, this could be incredible." Um, and so, tell me, tell me more about the kind of um, political ecology of the urban garden scene. Like, like who else is doing it? And, and what's, what's kind of going on in um, Kansas City? Because when I was in Kansas City last, um, I was on my way to the Land Institute, mm-hmm. I met some wonderful urban growers right. um, who were doing uh, polytunnels and growing um, significant quantities of food for right. marketplace. Well, it's, it's interesting. Kansas City is not extremely progressive in many ways, but for some reason there is this huge urban farming scene here. It's just sort of a hotbed for that sort of thing. And I don't really know why. I, I think maybe people in the Midwest just have very strong ties to agriculture. So in some diluted way that, you know, has fed into it. But we have a lot of urban farms, over 50 urban farms in the Kansas City metro. And we also have it, it seems like a, a lot of centers that celebrate urban farming and support urban farmers. Bad Seed is one of those, and uh, the Kansas City Center for Urban Agriculture is also one of those, and they rent um, greenhouse space for extremely reasonable prices to 
a whole bunch of urban growers, and it creates this insane community. You know, we all know each other. We all swap produce. We all exchange resources, um, and we're just able to help one another, and it's wonderful. So um, I think had I we had bad seed gone through what we are currently going through in any other situation, we would not have been able to gather the support or, or just even the confidence to keep moving forward. So I feel really blessed in some ways, you know. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's exciting. And I think we are currently working with the city to change the zoning ordinances to, to shape them to better nurture urban agriculture. So I think in the long run that this is all going to work out for a greater good. And, you know, we'll see more farms in Kansas City because of it. So, so right now you have farms in Kansas City, and um, but you didn't used to have farms, and and in fact the reason why perhaps I mean my assessment is a very amateurish assessment, but Kansas City has these gaping holes right. in it from a previous history, which is the history of the meatpacking industry. Mm-hmm. Could you describe the kind of um, built landscape in the city and and the transportation hub that is there? Yeah, there, there's, you know, Kansas City sort of, the transportation isn't great, you know. Um, there is such vast sort of suburban expansion happening, and like most cities, you know, that drains the urban core and empties it out, and communities get, you know, splattered everywhere and um, sort of, you know, disfigured, and uh, the Kansas City transportation doesn't really cater to this sort of sprawl, so people have a difficult time, you know, moving in and out of the core, uh, and there, because of that, of course, there are just vacant communities, you know, uh, vacant lots everywhere. I guess there was recently an article in the Kansas City Star uh, that put our vacancy rate higher than, you know, cities like Detroit and Cleveland, and that absolutely blew my mind, you know. Um, So we are, you know, in a situation where we need urban farms. We need some sort of sustainable or just even functional land usage in these holes. Um, So I I feel that, you know, that, that it makes a lot of sense for the city to sort of jump on board with this at this time. I think they're pretty embarrassed by the ranking they got as far as the vacant lots go and whatnot, and they, they feel that they really need to do something about it. And if urban agriculture can, can help the situation, if they can at least step back enough and think outside of the box enough to realize that it could, then, you know, we might see some, some you know, the, the landscape might start to change significantly which would be amazing. Which would be amazing. Yeah. Um, so here we are. Um, you're, you're, you're a transformer of the landscape. Tell us, um, how did you get into this work, and what were you doing before, and, and what skills did you bring to Urban Ag? Okay, well, I was, I was you know, a wandering lost soul in my um, late teens and early 20s, and I used to do photography and photojournalism and that sort of thing. And so I, my passion was to travel and to meet people and to, you know, taste other cultures and other foods. And so I traveled all over the world, but, of course, I had no money. So in order to sustain those travels, I, um, I did a lot of woofing. I worked on organic farms in exchange 
for room and board. So I had no interest in agriculture. I, I'd grown up eating food out of a box my whole life. You know, I mean, typical suburbia. Everything was wrapped in plastic and, you know, there's microwaves, cell phones, um, SUVs. That, that sort of was the reality I had come from. So I was just blown away when I, when I went into these other countries and, you know, grew food with these families and ate meals with them. Uh, it, it all started to make sense to me, and I realized that, um, you know, maybe, maybe that's what I need. I just need to get grounded and take some responsibility for my life and feed myself at the very least. You know, that's my most basic need. And once I can manage that, then I can move on, you know. So... After traveling a lot more and living in other cities, I moved back to Kansas City and started uh, Bad Seed in my grandfather's giant suburban backyard. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of a, a good time because he was getting older and it's a lot to mow, so it made sense that I should just rip it all up and put food crops in. So, yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and what I went down know. that first year? What was your – what was – because, you know, going from um, turf – to to plot to to farm plot that oh, first year there's there's well, a lot of roots that have to decompose and there's yeah I you know well, a certain I was, amount of very I mean it's it, you have to bust your butt a little bit oh I was and I was so naive I've always been one of these people who thought I could just do anything and I had no idea what I was getting myself into you know I I sod cut massive portions of this yard and to be honest like I'd never planted broccoli in my life I'd never seeded carrots I'd you know I'd worked on these farms but there was always a language barrier and I was only there for you know a few weeks or a month at a time I mean I had I had no concept of what it really took, especially in the Midwest. I mean, we have the worst pest pressure in the world, and, you know, we, we deal with weather extremes, and it's it's got pretty nice soil, though, here. now, before you start complaining too much. Right. I was <laughs> listening to some of the comparisons of the Midwestern uh, corn yields versus the South. Uh, and yeah, I, like, I, shouldn't, I should not complain too much. That's true. But, um, yeah, we have excellent soil here. You know, it's rich black dirt. So, in in some places anyway, uh, on our plot it is, and I'm. Totally and so your grandfather was sitting on the porch watching you do this. <laughs> he was terrified, you know. I mean, he he loved his riding lawnmower and he loved his beautiful lawn. I mean, you got to understand that 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 was the American dream. You know, when immigrants came to this country, they wanted their own piece of land. You know, it, it was a sign of wealth and that I'd made it. And my grandpa is an amazing man who's come from nothing and this. Was, you know, this was his little piece of the American dream, <laughs> and here I am, you know, ripping it up. But, but he also he's Sicilian, so he comes from a deep-seated agricultural background, and so he can appreciate, you know, someone utilizing space well and growing food. He sees the value in it. So and now sort of you have side. your, um, you have enough flowers planted and tomatoes right. and. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's we, happened? We, because we farm in a middle-class suburban neighborhood, we keep things looking absolutely immaculate. And there are many flowers and many herbs and many aesthetic touches that keep it from looking like, you know, a, a, a intensely worked urban farm. Um, so, you know, the, the complaints and the concerns that we had received from the community were completely unfounded because we have the best, we, you know, the most well-manicured property on the block. So it's, it's 
funny. Ironic. And, and let's talk it through. What you what exactly are you growing? And um, so we grow animals? any animals. We well until recently we used um, the integration of chickens and goats for pest management and fertility, and we have since had to get rid of our dairy goats because of this this whole debacle. Uh, the chickens are still currently on the farm, except they've been confined to a permanent pen in the middle of the plot. Before that, we did rotational grazing with the chickens and the goats. Um, the goats would move each week into a new plot or a new pasture, and then the chickens would follow eating, you know, doing um, parasite management and whatnot, eating the worms out of the goat poop and all that good, fun stuff that us farmers think is really great and other people think is extremely disgusting, but, you know. So we had a really, a really good system with our animals. Um, and then as far as our crops go, we grow... You know, we, we, because this is our only source of income, we really strive to have produce for the entire length of the season and, uh, you know, have a ton of diversity within that. And, you know, and things fail all the time, so we can't put all of our eggs in one basket. So we grow a lot of everything, um, you know, from from your cutesy little gourmet salad mixes and edible flowers to hearty turnips and radishes and, you know, just everything across the board as far as vegetables go. Uh, this season we put in a lot of fruit. My husband used to work on an orchard on the East Coast, so he's a fruit man, and we put in a lot of fruit trees, a lot of brambles, lots of um, grapes and other things, currants and yeah, all sorts of stuff. I'm trying to rack my brain. That was a long time ago, and this won't bear for a while. So, but yeah, it's a, we've got a lot going on on the plot. It's it's intensively farmed, but it's farmed smartly. We try not to exhaust our soil. We're no-till, so we use heavy mulches, and uh, we have, you know, we respect the soil structure and try to keep things intact and keep things as healthy as possible at all times. Well, it sounds wonderful, and I. Um and I feel like your your experience is similar in a lot of ways to the experience of many new growers who go into agriculture, um, sometimes, you know, just based on the merit of their a few experiences that, right. you know, exactly. get them excited and they're, um, right. you know, just sticking your fingers in the planet does yeah. have a profound impact. when you're young and impact. naive, you know, you, you stumble into this, but it's a good thing. It's just, it's, it's pretty eye-opening, however, you know. Well, and then there's, you know, in the same way as there's this incredible connection that you get to a place and exactly. the bounty of sunshine in that place, there's exactly. also inherent in the agricultural experience, there's hardship and there's injustice. Yes. And, and that is very much, you know, a peasant tradition to experience to experience those pressures. Yeah, and that's well said because that's very true. So it seems like that too, um, having, yeah, I mean, that, that is part of the experience is feeling that, um, feeling that compassion about, of being, you know, economically marginalized by our society, right. Right. of having land continually um, taken away and paved. Exactly. Yeah, this, is, this is the history of, of humanity and of our engagement with the planet. And as a like planet steward and you know gardener, right? You become you know 
also a victim of those of that and injustice. It, in a way, it was probably good for us because I'm sure you you kind of know what I'm talking about. There's been this kind of wave of rock star, young celebrity, organic farmers. You know, it's become the next coolest thing to do, and everybody wants to be a farmer. And uh, this was, you know, it, it, it's important to sort of go through the full gambit of of emotions and extremes with what you do. And, you know, we were experiencing the glory days before, and, and now we're seeing the other end. But it can only, it can only make us more well-rounded and, and stronger and therefore make our crops stronger. And, you know, it's, it's, it's ultimately going to be for the greater good. I, it, I, maybe I'm just saying that to myself, trying to you know, boost my, my morale. Okay, pep here, talks but. are part of life. Right, exactly. So, so, so here's a question: um, if if you have the um, if you have the perspective over there to see if this Kansas City um, urban farm scene has space in it for other people, if there's um, other people who are interested to do urban farming who maybe live there or their right. family live there, what institutions um, should those should those aspiring farmers go to, and and what would you what advice would you give them about? What's going on in terms of marketplace um, right, and demand right. over there? Well, I would definitely, uh, if you're thinking about growing and you're within the Kansas City area, you should definitely contact the Kansas City Center for Urban Agriculture. Um, that's, they helped me immensely in the beginning, especially when I didn't have resources like greenhouses and whatnot. Um, and they also offer classes and training programs for beginning farmers. Bad Seed also nurtures young farmers. Um, we accept, well, <laughs> say that now, we're no longer allowed to accept volunteers and apprentices due to our new legal situation, but <laughs> we used to accept volunteers and do, we would do lessons and uh, trainings with interested folks and whatnot. And uh, down at our farmer's market, we offer all sorts of resources for growers or beginning growers. Uh, and beyond that, you know, I, I think that marketing can be extremely tough for the beginning grower. They're, they're um, you know, fumbling in the dirt all day, and then they're supposed to somehow come up with some glossy marketing scheme and put this produce on the table and sell it and make a living, and it's kind of tough to bounce back and forth between those um, personalities. Luckily, Kansas City has a lot of small organic markets that make it really easy for someone to start out. Um, bad seed is uh, farmers market is one of those. You know, we really we really nurture smaller growers and beginning growers, and um, give people sort of a really good atmosphere to sell their food in. You know, <laughs> and I and then I do the marketing for them in that case. And there's many other small organic markets. We, Kansas City has an organic market almost every day of the week, which is awesome. Um, so, so I think there's plenty of resources here, and I would encourage people, like I said, to contact the Kansas City Center for Urban Agriculture or to contact me or Dan via email and uh, just start visiting farmers markets and talking to farmers. You know, um, you'd be surprised what, what can come from just putting yourself out there. Cool. Thank you so much, Brooke, for sharing your experience. I wanted to give you a chance to tell us your website and, um, and your contact information if you want to share it. Okay. I, I, you're cutting out, so I think I heard you. My contact information, you can reach the Bad Seeds at, uh, 
Well, go to our website at www.badseedfarm.com. Our contact info is on there. And uh, you could also just drop by the farmer's 